Welcome to The Road to Rural Prosperity, featuring stories about rural Oklahoma and rural America. Guiding us on the journey today is our host, Ron Hayes. Well, thanks, Billy, and welcome to another edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm Ron Hayes. Glad to be along with you, and we are especially excited to have A.J. Griffin join us once again as a special guest host. She's got as her guest today, Janet Pulliam, who's Senior Manager of Hospital Systems for the Oklahoma Chapter of the American Cancer Society. A.J. and Janet will be talking about the challenges of rural health care in the next few moments. Today's episode being sponsored by the Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They're celebrating 50 years of representing rural water systems. Over 550 water and wastewater utilities are members of today's Oklahoma Rural Water Association. And we're back with A.J. Griffin and her special guest in just a few moments here on the road to rural prosperity. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. With communities from border to border, Bank First lenders understand the needs of today's agricultural market. Whether you need to purchase land, equipment, or livestock, or maybe need an operating line of credit, call on Bank First. They are a certified lender with the Farm Service Agency and can help with specialized financing when other banks can't. Bank First is proud to serve the needs of the Sooner State's agricultural market. Bank First is loyal to Oklahoma and you. Member FDIC, loan subject to approved credit. So thank you for joining us on this episode of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm A.J. Griffin, today's host. And as you remember from previous podcasts, when I host, we talk about the very important topic of rural health care. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Janet Pulliam. Janet is the Senior Manager of Hospital Systems for the Oklahoma Chapter of the American Cancer Society. So welcome to the show today, thank Janet. You. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Um, people don't always think um, American Cancer Society when we think healthcare. Uh, we generally tend to start with thinking about our local hospitals and physicians, federally qualified health centers, but the American Cancer Society has its fingers and um, tentacles in all aspects of our healthcare system. So tell us about the American Cancer Society and the role that this organization plays in our healthcare system. Excellent. Well, we work with many healthcare systems across the metro and in our rural populations and everything in between to work with them on their programs and services, um, to work with cancer patients. That's what comes to mind. So we work with them on quality improvement. My team is a group of hospital specialists that work with those healthcare systems here in the metro areas that have fingers out into the rural areas like the Mercies, the Integrises, um, OU Med. And so they have all those rural campuses that we also partner with to work on um, improving their processes to make sure that patients are getting the best care and um, to increase access to care so that 
patients can get to the treatment that's needed as well as to screenings. We reduce cancer burdens by prevention and early detection by making sure that patients are getting vaccinated, that they're getting the recommended screenings through their healthcare providers. Now, that's just the hospital arm of the American Cancer Society. We also have a primary care that works with the FQHCs that you mentioned earlier. And FQHCs, Federally Qualified, qualified Health, Health Centers. centers. Yes. Um, they're all across Oklahoma, but they're really concentrated in rural areas and extremely important in the, the rural parts of Oklahoma. Yes. You work with those. Yes. So we have a team. Our primary care department works with those to make sure that patients are getting that access to care, their general health care, um, as well as working on screening and early detection. So cancer, mm-hmm. of course, still is the number one killer of uh, yes. Americans across yes. the country. So this is yes. a very important, very important topic. Off the top of your head, you probably know the percentage of Americans that will batter, battle cancer at some point in their life. Oh, gosh. I, we are, I think, at 7 out of 10 patients will have or people will have cancer a cancer diagnosis so seven out of every 10 americans will have a cancer diagnosis at, at some, some point, point in their, their life. life and it is yes. the number one um, cause for an end of life um, yes. in, in our in our country so absolutely cancer mm-hmm. plays a pretty important role in healthcare. Yes. and and we know that uh, a recent cdc analysis found that there's a striking difference in cancer mortality rates across levels of rurality and cancer type so um, when analyzing lung cancer prostate mm-hmm. cancer and colon cancer the cdc study found higher mortality rates in rural areas than in urban areas so number we've already got the the, mm-hmm. the number one killer of americans seven out of ten and the numbers are actually worse if you reside in a rural area why do you think this might be the case well and and that bears out across the cancer continuum um, and what we find out and you'll hear this a lot are the social determinants of health and basically zip code matters where you live matters on the care that you get from your general health care all the way through screening and prevention work to cancer treatment. Um, Those social determinants that we talk about are economics, the ability to pay for care or take time off work. We talk about um, availability of jobs and your income. Those all impact that. Environment, do you have the physical Um, environment where you can go out and be physically active? Do you have a safe place to go walk or play ball or play in a park? Um, Do you have food, food deserts? We see those a lot in the metropolitan areas, in the lower income areas where we have people that are going through and they are getting their food at the convenience store, which don't have a really good selection for healthy items. But in the rural populations, your closest grocery store may be an hour away. And so again, you're not having those resources available. And then the big thing is the lack of health care in those smaller communities, where we may not see providers that can provide the necessary screenings, the screening tests may not be available. And so if they're not there and they have to come into town to get it into one of the major metropolitan areas, they're taking time away, the travel expense and those types of things to get there. So those are some of the things that we are actively working on trying to increase those access across the board. Well, and this is an important conversation. Mm-hmm. Just we're talking about the number one killer of Americans, and this big disparity 
between resources that mm-hmm. can be available in the rural areas versus in the urban areas. Yes. The thing you didn't mention that I'm surprised is insurance coverage. Mm-hmm. But we know that um, our citizens that live in in rural Oklahoma are less likely to have access to, to an insurance product. Um, and many of them that don't necessarily qualify for Medicaid currently mm-hmm. also don't have access to private health insurance. Um, maybe they're in the agriculture industry, which yes. isn't known for insurance coverage. Right. Um, what 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 role does insurance coverage play in the the lack of the early detection? It's a huge thing. They don't have the resources available to go in, and that's where our federally qualified health centers, the FQHCs, come in so importantly in that population is that they provide those services on a sliding scale to help assist in that area. And you know, we've done several of these podcasts about rural health care, and those mm-hmm. federally qualified health centers continue to come up. Um, when it doesn't matter if I'm speaking with Senator Kim David or for, uh, Carter Kimball and the governor's staff. Um, we need to make sure that individuals living in rural areas know that those exist, and they're mm-hmm. in some great locations. I mean, mm-hmm. I uh, years ago the the new one opened in Langston. Whenever I was before I was even a member of the Oklahoma legislature, and to have health care available in Langston was mm-hmm. a big deal for that community. What types of services do those FQHCs provide, and how does the American Cancer Society work with them to improve quality of that care? Well, they provide everything from your general maintenance of going in and saying, this is my annual checkup, what do I need to have done to, I have a sore throat, I have the flu, whatever the case may be, to support the continuum of health throughout that lifespan of that patient. Um, And in that process, we work with them to make sure that they are looking at their screening rates. Are they taking those opportunities? Because many of the people that use an FQHC for their primary health care are going when they're sick and not for preventative care. And so we're looking at when they come in, are we checking their screening statuses? Are we checking for the children, the immunization rates around HPV vaccination? Every time that a patient comes in, we're using that as an opportunity to engage them for those screening and prevention. And FQHCs are a little different. If you if you have insurance, you can go to an FQHC. Yes. If you're on Medicaid or Medicare, you can go. And if you're uninsured, you can also go. Yes, and they have a sliding scale fee for the most part to help with that. So it's a little different than a free clinic where everyone who walks in the door is receiving their care free. This yes. is actually where your pay source matches um, the availability of, of yes. a pay source for you. Yes. That's very important because those pre-screenings, don't you believe that it's probably an individual that don't that are worried about how to pay for it are the ones mm-hmm. less likely to go to the doctor when they're well. Well, you would be surprised. We've actually found out that in our studies of working, particularly around colorectal cancer, that 85% of the people that we need to get screened have insurance. And that was very interesting to me. And that we we're trying to get to 80% on that of everyone getting screened that's of the appropriate age, 45 and older, but if they have insurance, 85% of them are not going, and we're finding out that they're the unworried well. I don't have a problem. I don't need to go. And that's what we're finding with a lot of people in all of our screenings are that that two things happen. Either they don't have access to it or they're, they're, they feel like they're well and they don't have anything to worry about. So there's a lot of education that our, our federally qualified health centers work with us on to educate the populations when about. Cancer doesn't necessarily have a lot of early symptoms, especially like a colon cancer, colorectal cancer. Um, they're really the only way to find it is to have that screening, right? 
That's the best way, yes. So you can have some, some early symptoms that we tend to dismiss. They're there. We just dismiss them because they're just, oh, I just ate something that didn't agree with me. It's no big deal. Or, oh, I've got you know, lung cancer. I've got a cough. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to worry with it. And so that's we, we're dismissive of it a lot. Well, I hope our listeners are catching <laughs> this, that this, you know, this, our rule, um, yeah, independence, and, um, you know, we're yes. going to pull up our bootstraps and just get it, get on with life. Um, ignoring your health is not a good option, regardless of where not. you live. Because the later we wait to get those screenings done, then we're resulting in later stage of diagnosis and more difficulty in treating and an increase in mortality. And early diagnosis is the key, correct? Yes, yes. So what are the recommended, um, and let's pick someone out of the air and say, oh, maybe someone listened to this podcast that's um, 65 and lives in a rural area and is male um, Mm -hmm. and less likely to go to the doctor. What are those recommended uh, yearly screenings, every three year screenings, what should they be doing? They should be getting started at age 45, so they're well past that. They need to be getting a colorectal cancer screening. That's number one um, for everyone across the board. And there are a variety of mechanisms for that. You can do a stool test so you don't have to travel. You don't have to go through the prep of a colonoscopy, and that will be a great screening tool for you. A colonoscopy um, can be done once every 10 years if it's clean. So if once every 10 years. Okay. For a colonoscopy. something you have to go do every Exactly. Year. Okay. So the colonoscopy, <laughs> colonoscopy can be every 10 years, whereas the stool test is every year. So depending on where you want to spend your time, We'll determine which one you get. And who's the best person to get um, recommendations for Your that? Your doctor. Yes. yes. So we really encourage everyone to go and have that conversation with their doctor. So the other tests for that 65-year-old male um, will really depend on his lifestyle and his family history. So figure out what your family history is. Go have that conversation with your doctor. You may be a candidate for prostate screening. You may be a candidate for skin cancer screening. I'm assuming if if you're out working in the sun all day, you need to have that checked. Um, And then lung cancer. If you're a smoker over age 55 and you have a 30-pack year history, then it's time to get your lung cancer screening done. And it's just a simple low-dose CT scan of the chest. And then, of course, for the the, mm-hmm. the women mm-hmm. annual mammograms are definitely yes. recommended yes starting at 45 and then mm-hmm. yearly uh, pelvic yes. exams yes so and that we, continues we women generally tend to be in that habit um I, yes. the men less likely mm-hmm. so uh, remember that those um your doctor is definitely the best source of information on those pre-screenings um, mm-hmm. i'm joined today my name is aj griffin of course and i this is janet pulliam you're listening to the senior manager of hospital systems with the Oklahoma chapter of the American Cancer Society. We're going to take a break for a few messages, and we'll be back to talk more about what the American Cancer Society means to rule Oklahoma. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association. They've been representing water and wastewater systems across Oklahoma since 1970. The Oklahoma Rural Water Association was formed to enhance the quality of life in rural Oklahoma through the development and delivery of services and programs for the benefit of ORWA members and the rural people they serve. The Petroleum Alliance represents every segment of the oil and natural gas industry 
speaking with one voice when advocating for the interest of its members, landowner partners, and employees. Our mission is to enhance Oklahoma's economy and every segment of the energy industry. Well, welcome back to this edition of The Road to Rural Prosperity. I'm A.J. Griffin, today's host with Janet Pulliam, Senior Director for Hospital Systems at the American Cancer Society, Oklahoma chapter of the American Cancer Society. We're going to continue our conversation about the number one killer of Americans, cancer, um, a disease that will in a, affect seven to ten, between seven out of every ten Americans, um, which I, that number is almost staggering. I, but I know just in my family, mm-hmm. cancer um, has had has affected us significantly. So every every family is definitely going to be impacted by this issue. Uh, this issue. We were talking about prevention um, a little bit earlier, and, and in particular mentioned the uh, the quality of the services that you can receive in in uh, rural Oklahoma. And you mentioned that the American Cancer Society works to improve quality of care and then access to care as well. So tell us a little mm-hmm. bit more about what the organization does to, to help Oklahomans find health care. Okay. Well, when we were speaking of quality improvement, that's really putting the patient at the center of that care and working with our healthcare systems to troubleshoot their processes to see if there's a best practice out there that we could help implement to increase their whole continuum of care. So if that's from their screening and early detection and prevention through the actual care of the patient, what aspects are they looking at um, in providing that care from the patient's focus? Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah, it does. And so that's really what we're trying to do is to make sure that because we work across the country and we have teams that put together um, evidence-based interventions that can help these healthcare systems address a specific need. And by sharing that expertise with them, we can help streamline their processes. Well, you mentioned uh, the social determinants of health yes. at the beginning of mm-hmm. the podcast. And I know that you know if you're a physician and you're in a doctor's office and you've got um, patients running through all day, mm-hmm. your job is to, to, to provide a diagnosis and to, prov- to script the, the treatment after right. that. I know docs aren't necessarily thinking, okay, the reason this person's having this problem is because they don't have transportation or they, they um, you know, don't have someone who can help them remember to take their medications. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a real trend across across healthcare is to wrap a patient in all these services and to really look at their care through the patient's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's great that the American Cancer Society sees that. Um, and you know, we we know that rural Oklahomans, number one, we've got the distance issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know that just the education around how do you access health care mm-hmm. seems to be extremely important. So how does the American Cancer Society help ensuring that we have that care in, in rural Oklahoma? Well, with the local boots on the ground of our staff going and working with those health care centers, um, but we also have our national call center, what we call NCIC. And it is manned 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, Christmas morning at 2 a.m., you can call and talk to a real-life person. They are there to help answer questions for you about a potential diagnosis, about screening that you may need. They are there to help answer questions about a diagnosis and what questions should I ask my doctor. We have resources available. We have an interpret an interpreter line with over 200 languages. We have um, oncology nurses on staff to walk with the cancer patients, help them 
answer questions when the doctor's office is closed at 2 a.m. Um, we have um, can, uh, health insurance support staff there as well that if you don't have insurance that they can help you find an insurance that's a good fit for, for your need. But we will also work as that, that third-party mediator. If you're having trouble with an insurance company, they can call in and work with, with our staff to help negotiate whatever that is, if, which a lot of people don't know about. Let, let's go over that again. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a 1-800 number. Yes, um, yes. 1-800-227-2345. 1-800-227-2345. Yes, ma'am. 24 hours a day, yes. 365 days a year, mm-hmm. multiple languages, yes. answering questions about um, health insurance, mm-hmm. uh, their diagnosis. Yes. What does this diagnosis mean? What's mm-hmm. the? Um, I'm assuming you talk to a nurse and say, you know, I'm going to have to take chemo. What does that mean to me? Yes. Am I going to lose my hair? I'm probably yes. they probably feel that question a few times, mm-hmm. and that, so that number is always available, yes. um, free of charge. What yes. a great resource yes. if you're, um, you know, if you've been to your own oncologist doctor office in Oklahoma City and you go back and now you're in in Red Rock and mm-hmm. on your on your sitting on your farm wondering what do I do now it sounds like a, a great place to reach out it is wonderful and what I find is that usually the way my mind works is at two o'clock in the morning is when I'm laying there wide awake and all those what-ifs are running through my head well, now there's a place that you can call. And if whether you're the caregiver or the patient or you just have a question, you can call in, and we're there for emotional support too, just to walk you through that. And our um, staff at NCIC are well-versed and trained to dig for a little more information. So you may call in to say, I have a question about this. They don't just answer your question and hang up. They do some probing to find out because cancer patients don't necessarily know what they need to know. And so they will spend that time with them, walking them through the process, asking questions, and will identify other needs that they may have and help address those. Do you have to be the patient to call? No. No. It can be a family member. It can be the caregiver. It can be the patient. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned insurance support because mm-hmm. navigate, especially after catastrophic diagnosis like cancer, navigating the the pile of bills that are going to show up in your mailbox yes. can, can be unbelievably stressful for, mm-hmm. for a family. So the American Cancer Society can help you navigate that as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have we actually have patient navigators on staff as well to help guide them through that process. So a, a navigator, mm-hmm. tell me more about that role. Well, the navigator is someone that walks with the patient, helping address the needs that are identified. Um, so we have health insurance specialists that specialize in understanding the various plans and resources available to that. We have navigators that basically walk with that patient and say, okay, these are the next steps. This is what needs to happen next where are you in this process? And it's just that added touch. And is this service free? 100% free. 100% free. What's that number again? And we'll do it at the end of the show as well. 1-800-227-2345. Okay. So that's the 1-800 number. NCIC, what's NCIC stand for? National Cancer Information Center. Okay. The National Cancer Information Center. In case you forget it, I have a feeling you can go to the Google. (laughs) Cancer.org. That's the easy one. Cancer.org. Cancer.org. There are chat options and all of those. If you prefer not to talk to someone, all of it is there at the touch of your fingertips. All of this great work the Mm -hmm. American Cancer Society does and even here in Oklahoma with the Oklahoma chapter is obviously not free so um, (laughs) let's talk a little bit just about the uh, the organization and how individuals can support the work in the American Cancer Society and um, 
if you have any events coming up now we know we have a lot of things that are on pause for now <laughs> we will um, but it, they won't be on yes. pause for yes. forever so um yes. i've done relay for life myself several times in fact yes. i think that's how you and i met janet yes uh, was a relay for life in in guthrie that's a major fundraiser for mm-hmm. the american cancer society yes it is it's one of my favorite it's actually what connected me to the american cancer society um, i lost my mother many many years ago to cancer 30 years ago in little lot in oklahoma and um, someone knocked on my door one time, 20 plus years ago, and said, hey, Janet, do you want to do Relay for Life? And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but it's for the American Cancer Society side me up. And it is, it's like a block party. It's a community coming together to fight cancer, in a nutshell. And it's where you find that support, those people that understand your journey and can support you through it while we're raising money to support the programs that we offer to cancer patients like our call center. That's great. What are other ways that you can support the American Cancer Society? Well, there are several things that you can do. I'm so glad you asked. Um, We have certain programs like Road to Recovery where we drive patients to and from treatment. Um, In our rural areas, we find it a little bit more challenging to find Uh, transportation to get patients into the city but once we're here we have a transportation program that we can pretty much get uh, the vast majority of our patients that come in to and from treatment so if you like to come to the city whether it's Tulsa Lawton Oklahoma City major treatment centers even rural areas going out to Enid in some of those smaller points. If you're willing to pick a patient up and take them in for the day, that would be a huge help. Um, We also offer um, lodging for patients that are having to travel for treatment so that they can stay in a home away from home while they get treatment and not have to drive back and forth for daily treatments. And I know you have a big project right now that we're fundraising for around lodging that would be extremely important to rural Oklahomans. Yes, so we are in process of closing out our capital campaign for our Hope Lodge, which is a center that will have 34 suites in it for patients and one caregiver to come in and stay. Um, There will be kitchens and living rooms and activity rooms for those patients. It'll be on the OU campus um, or the OU Med campus right down by the OK Kids Corral so that patients can come and stay free of charge while they get their treatment and they don't have to worry with where am I going to stay? Am I going to be able to afford it? Or am I going to have to not feed my children this week? Whatever the case may be. And so that's really for those people that reside anywhere but Oklahoma City so that they can come in and get that treatment. And then once they're at the Hope Lodge, we will have local drivers pick them up and take them to whichever treatment center it is that they are seeking treatment in. And you're in the middle of the capital campaign for Hope Lodge. When do we anticipate that it'll be available for residents? We are hoping that we will break ground in 2020. And they say it'll be about a year of building and then we'll be opening. So 2021 is our anticipated open date. Well, that's fantastic. And of course, that's another thing that's free for the patient and their family whenever they're receiving treatment. So if one of our listeners is interested in um, maybe starting a Relay for Life activity Mm -hmm. in their community, Mm -hmm. how should they reach out? They can call the 800 number. And, or cancer.org, either one, and they can look for events in my area, or they can call and ask whatever is easiest for them, and then they will be connected with a local staff person okay. to help guide that. And then there are other things that they could do. Really, for me, I think the most important thing is 
in small towns, we know we like to hear from people we trust and know. And so if you're hearing this, please go out, educate yourself on the screenings that are available to you. Share that with your family, with your neighbors, with your community, and speak up and be that voice of, we need to all get this done. Well, early screening, early detection, very, better very outcomes. better, much, much better outcomes. Yes. And that's the key is getting people to take their health very seriously and take those steps yes. in order to um, hopefully prevent cancer by living yes. a healthy lifestyle. But if you can't, and some can't be prevented, right. um, but detecting them early increases the, out, the chances for a good outcome. The American Cancer Society is extremely important to um, not only rural Oklahomans, but all Americans and does a, a great deal to, to support individuals that are going through their own cancer journey and their families. Mm-hmm. And I am um, really... I didn't realize how important that hotline was. So let's go over how you get in touch the, with the American Cancer Society a couple more times. Tell us the, hot, the hotline number and that, that website okay. again. To call our call center any day, any time of night, you can call and speak to a real person. The phone number is 1-800-227-2345, and the website is cancer.org. That's Janet Pulliam. She is with the Oklahoma chapter of the American Cancer Society, a senior manager of hospital systems. Janet, thanks again for joining us and telling us a little bit about how the American Cancer Society can benefit rural Oklahomans. And I appreciate you joining me as I take the road to rural prosperity and we talk about the very important issue of your health. So Oklahoma, don't forget about those screenings. If you haven't seen your doctor in a while, um, make that appointment today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for today's Road to Rural Prosperity podcast. You can join the conversation about how rural Oklahoma can prosper by looking for us on Facebook. And you can find our growing number of conversations on our website, ruralprosperityok.com. The Road to Rural Prosperity podcast series is a production of the Radio Oklahoma Ag Network and oklahomafarmreport.com proud to be a part of the family of the Funk Companies.